Hey, so often when I am um, preparing a word, you know, whatever it is, I think, who does this well? You know, whatever it is I'm preaching on, I, th- I try and think of people who do it really, really well. And the first people I always think of are Pastors Hearts and Nat, because they are just the best. And I'm speaking on relationships tonight, and I'm going to be specific. I'm going to be talking about anger, not that they do anger very well, right? It's quite the opposite, but they are the most gracious, loving, um, upstanding, incredible leaders, and it's just such an honor to serve under you, and thank you for being you, and thank you for always giving me an example to think about and say, how do they do it? How do they do it so well? So can we honor our pastors tonight? So good. Well, we're in this series on one another, on relationships, and God is a relationship, and He's designed relationships for us. It's the way He chose to do things. Um, If you want to be blessed, if you want to grow, it's through relationship. There's no other way of doing it. That's the way God's ordained it. It's been like that for thousands of years, and that's how it'll always be. Um, And the church, I mean, church is great, Sundays are great because we get together and we get to relate to each other, you know, during the service, before the service, after the service, but there's so many other opportunities outside of Sunday that are created so that you can build relationship. For example, the incredible bonfire on Friday night with like 80 men, who was there for that? That was unreal. Thank you, Pastor Mick, for organizing that. Can we thank Pastor Mick? But there's connect groups. There's the Every Woman Gathering, there's the Real Men um, Retreat coming up, whatever it is, they're all just opportunities that are created so that we can build relationship, because that's how we grow, we grow through relationship. Um, I remember Pastor Jürgen Matesius, who was here maybe a year ago or something, he said, life, spe- life moves at the speed of relationship. Life moves at the speed of relationship, and it's so true. So it's good to invest in our relationships and we, you know, I want to encourage you, don't think, okay, um, why shouldn't I turn up? Always think about why you should turn up. Yeah. Always think about why you should turn up for those events, because they're, they're fantastic. Um, so the series is One Another, and, um, you know, it's about relating to one another. And who knows, sometimes emotions get in the way of relationships. Um, am I the only one who's... Who's, who's thinking that? But no, emotions do. And God calls us to love God and to love people. Um, but how do we do it? How do we love people um, when we're just not feeling the love? <laughs> you know? It's easy to love them when you're feeling the love. Like, it's very easy for me to love my wife because I just love her. And she makes it, you know, I don't know what it is. I just love her, right? But what about people who I'm not necessarily feeling the love for? How do I love them? Um, how, do you, how do you love when emotions get in the way? How do you love when anger gets in the way? And that's what I want to zero in on tonight, anger. How do we do anger better? How do we do anger well? So why don't I pray before we get into it. Father God, I thank you for your word, that it is life to those who find it, and it is healing to all their flesh. And I thank you, Lord, people will be healed tonight as your word goes forth. I thank you for the wisdom that's in your word. I thank you that it changes hearts tonight, that each one of us 
would be filled with your wisdom, with your love, and with your grace. In Jesus' name, let's give Jesus a round of applause here tonight. <clears throat> so I want to talk about the, um, the destructiveness of anger, the constructiveness of anger, um, why it often goes wrong, and um, how to be angry well, if, if there is such a thing. But, you know, we all, we all would have seen this um, in the last couple of weeks, because anger is a huge problem in our society. If we can put that, that picture up, and um, you guys can make some noise when it comes up, because I can't see behind me. But, you know, who saw that the last couple of weeks? It was everywhere, it went viral. But anger is an explosive, right? It is the dynamite of the soul. And as a result, it has the power to disintegrate things. It has the power to pulverize things like an explosive. So, Proverbs chapter 14, verse 29 to 30 says, He who is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who is quick-tempered exacts folly. A tranquil heart is life to the body, but passion is rottenness to the bones. And a lot of translations will substitute anger for passion. So God's trying to tell us that anger is rottenness to the bones. And one of the, one of the main things anger will pulverize is your health. Um, it's incredible. If you, if you Google effects of anger on your body, you will be amazed at, at what doctors' reports say about anger. They believe anger can hurt your health or hurt your heart as much as smoking and as much as high blood pressure. And all doctors agree, the number one predictor in cardiovascular disease, more important than cholesterol, is mismanaged anger. Unbelievable. So, anger can harm your health. The other thing it does is it disintegrates community. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 15, 18. A hot-tempered man stirs up dissension, but a patient man calms a quarrel. A hot-tempered man stirs up dissension. Dissension means disagreement that leads to discord. You know, when you, whenever you hear something starting with this, it's not good, <laughs> you know? And discord means disputes, it means um, disunion, it means disaffection, it means conflict, it means friction, it means strife, it means rivalry, it means antagonism. And a hot temper stirs up all those things. And you know, when you get angry, you throw words around like weapons. And maybe you've been on the receiving end of that, maybe you've thrown a few yourself, but they have enormous power. Your words have enormous power, and we all recognize that. And they wound people. Anger has a way of wounding people that makes it really, really, really hard to recover. Um, I don't know, I've been there on so many occasions where I've heard someone just cross that line and start saying things and I just think, oh no, and, oh no, this, this is, you've crossed the line here and um, this is going to be really, really hard to recover. You know, we've, we've all been there, I think. Or is it just me? But you're just like, oh, no, stop, 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 stop. Because this, this is, it was bad, but now it's really, really, really bad. And you almost have to say, hey, man, please, just cool down. Stop, stop, please. You do not know what you're doing. 
And last night, I was actually talking to a guy at a party, and he was saying, yeah, um, you know, I find it really hard to be home because home is, like, it's always on edge. You know, like, mum and dad will be talking, um, but in any instant, it's just going to explode. Someone's going to say something to tick the other one off, and it's, and it's just going to erupt. And he was just saying how he hated being there, but that's how anger is. It's explosive. Dylan Thomas says this, when one burns one bridges, one's bridges, what a very nice fire it makes. When one burns one's bridges, what a very nice fire it makes. Probably a few bridges in that bonfire on Friday night. Thanks, Mick. So it harms your body, it disintegrates relationships, and thirdly, it destroys your wisdom. Like, have, um, the proverb said, a quick-tempered man displays folly. Have you ever dished out some anger um, and thought, Afterwards, maybe a day or two later, oh no, um, you know, why did I do that? It's because, and you, you ever thought to yourself, you know, you, you feel like a bit of a fool? It's because you were a fool? <laughs> you know? Because <laughs> you were, that's what the Bible says. Like, if you've got a hot temper, a quick temp temper, you are a fool. And there's all these things that um, we use in our language to describe it. And I was amazed at how many different things there were to describe anger. Like you can fly off the handle, you can foam at the mouth, you can get, someone gets your goat, gets in your hair, gets on your nerves, you give someone a piece of your mind, you give a tongue lashing, the, glo the gloves come off, you go ballistic, you go off the deep end, you get hot under the cover, you're like a red flag to a bull. You, you give someone dagger eyes, you see red, your feathers get ruffled. Someone steps on your toes, your blood boils, you throw a wobbly, you vent your spleen. This one's scriptural. It says you want someone's head on a platter. You get your knickers in a twi twist. You never want that to happen. You get all up in arms, you blow a fuse, you blow your top. You come down like a ton of bricks. I don't think there's anything that has so many expressions as anger. So, the Bible says it can go wrong and it can be destructive, but it also says a lot of good things about anger. When I was 21, it's a bit of a mess, um, had a lot of dysfunctional stuff going on, and I started to see a Christian counsellor. I was really numb, I think because of everything that was going on around me, became really numb, and um, I stopped seeing the counsellor because I felt like he was trying to make me angry, right? And I'm like, no, um, anger is bad. This guy is, is working up all this anger in me. I'm going to stop seeing him. And then God spoke to me about six months later, and he said, you go and see that Christian counsellor. And that Christian counsellor's aim was to get me angry, right? His job was to get me angry because he told me anger, um, I, I told him anger can't be good. I'm like, if you're, if you're a good person, you don't get angry. And um, he told me, no, if you never get angry, it means you don't love anything. If you're not getting angry about anything, it means you're not loving anything. And he taught me that it's not a sin to get angry. Everyone around me was getting angry, and I, I would always feel the pain of that. So I kind of decided in my mind, I just will never get angry. But it also meant I will, um, to preserve myself, I will stop feeling. 
and I will stop loving and I'll stop feeling a, a bunch of things. But this man's job was to get me angry. If I wasn't getting angry, I wasn't loving anything. People who never get angry are people who never love anything or care about anything. So the ideal in the Bible is not no anger and it's not blow your top off anger. It's slow to anger. Proverbs 16, 32. I haven't got it written down here. It's coming up. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. He who's slow to anger is better than the mighty. He who rules his spirit better than one who takes a city. The Bible it's never that simplistic. It's never like, don't be angry. It's always, don't, don't be completely insensitive, but don't be the other extreme either. Be slow to anger. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, Paul actually says it very clearly. He, see, he says, and this is a bit surprising, he says, be angry and, and do not sin. So you can be angry and often you should be angry without sinning. And that was a huge revelation to me. And it's quite crazy. He doesn't say, try not to be angry. He doesn't say, oh, look, if you get a bit angry, you know, try and keep your cool. He says, be angry, but don't sin. He doesn't say, when you get angry, minimize the damage. He says, get, be angry, but don't sin. John Chrysostom summarizes it perfectly. He says this, he says, He that is angry without cause sins, but he who is not angry when there is cause also sins. In Exodus chapter 34, Jesus, uh, Moses encounters God on the mountain and he says, you know, show me, show me who you are, who are you? And he's asking him, you know, what, who, what's the essence of who you are? You know what God's reply is? I am the Lord, slow to anger. I am the Lord, slow to anger. God gets angry, but does it well. You saw Jesus get angry. He got angry at the Pharisees. He got angry at the death of Lazarus. Um, he got angry at the money changers in the temple. So anger is not a sin. And we often, often we're like, oh, no, God isn't angry. No, I believe in a loving God. God is a lo God of love. God doesn't get angry. And often we can, we can try and communicate to people these days because everyone's like, oh, no, why would I want to go near God if he's angry? But I, you know, if you have a God who never gets angry, you can't have a God of love. Because if you never get angry about anything, you don't love anything. If you love and see the thing you love threatened, then you're angry. If you're indifferent, you're not in love. And that's why God is slow to anger. That's why God gets angry, because he sees us, and he sees us threatened, and he gets angry because he loves us so much. So a loving God has to be an angry God. A loving God, but thankfully, he's slow to anger. <laughs> He doesn't blow his top off. Should I go back to that list? No, he, he doesn't do that. Rebecca Pippet says, The more a father loves his son, the more he hates in him the drunkard, the liar, 
the traitor. Anger isn't the opposite of love. Hate is. And get this, she says, the final form of hate is indifference. To be truly good, one has to be outraged by evil and implacably hostile to injustice. And I think Pastor Nat is a great example of this, just thinking about um, her heart for the refugees when it came up or something started stirring in her heart a couple of years ago. Um, I think the thing that was stirring up the most was probably injustice. It was an anger, um, and not anger in the way we understand it, but anger at the injustice of what these people were experiencing. And she went to prayer around that, but at its essence, it was probably righteous anger. But I'll let you preach about that one day, Pastor Nat. I won't tell you. You know, that's one way to make people angry. Tell them, tell them what they do. Tell them this is how you feel. You feel angry. You. <laughs> you know how they teach you? No, always use I statements. I feel like you were angry. I felt like you were angry. So true love, true love always gets angry. This is what Tim Keller says. He says, anger is love in motion toward a threat to that which you love. So anger is a form of love. But if it's good, why can it get so destructive? And St. Augustine has some interesting things to say about this. He's always talking about disordered loves. Right, So if anger is movement, is facing a threat, um, coming towards a threat to something we love, then it's actually telling us something. When you're angry, you're highlighting to yourself that which you love. And um, St. Augustine says we have, we have lots of good things in our lives. We've got blessings. God blesses us with so many things. Um, we've got, uh, what have we got? Oh. Okay, I'm going to have to turn this. You were right, Chris. I'm so angry right now. <laughs> so, we've got blessings, good things that God gives us, right? It might be career, family, money, accomplishments, relationship, approval, whatever it is. There's so many more to add to the list. And he says, these are good things. And he says, but... Um, if you make any of these things ultimate things, um, you're going to get in trouble. So what God says, he says, love the Lord your God with all your mind, with all your soul and with all your strength, right? He wants to be your number one because he knows if, if God is your number one and your security, identity, self-esteem, satisfaction and self-worth is in God, then you are safe. Yeah. Then you are in love, you are loved and you've got all these things. You've got your sense of security, identity, satisfaction, self-worth, validation. You've got all that in God. But what happens is sometimes we turn good things into ultimate things. And we say, God, um, you know what? You're, you're good and you, you give me a bit of satisfaction, I guess. But there's something else that gives me security, identity, self-worth, validation. So I'll give you an example. Um, a young person who um, is madly in love with someone and the relationship breaks down. He gets dumped and he's profoundly upset like anyone would be. And it's fair to get upset. But if he decides, I, I want to I kill myself, 
I want to kill myself because that relationship's broken down. What he's basically saying is that relationship was the ultimate thing. Um, God isn't even in the picture. That relationship gave me security. That relationship gave me identity. That relationship gave me self-esteem. That relationship gave me satisfaction. It gave me self-worth. And if you take that relationship away, then I've got nothing. I've got no will to live. If I've got none of these things, I've got no life. And so that's why we've always got to keep God as the number one. We've got to, yeah, give Jesus a shout of praise. And so if our love gets disordered and anger is a form of love, let's remember that, then that's why our anger gets disordered. So I'll give you another example, a personal one. A couple of weeks ago, we are at a, a party and um, Rose was doing some of the preparations for it. And, um, I'll, you know, we'd gone separately because Rose had to pick a few things up and we were meeting there. And um, she got held up doing a couple of things and she called me and she said, hey, can you um, pick this up? I said, sure, fine thing. And then she, she said, can you go past the um, balloon shop and pick up a couple of balloons on your way as well? And I'm like, sure thing. And um, party started at one and I got to the balloon place, like it was a bit out of the way, so um, got there a bit late and they helped me up in the shop and then I got these balloons and then those big, you know those big balloons? Two of those. And then I got to, to the venue and I got out of the car holding these two massive balloons at, and the, party, the party's been going for about half an hour and I get angry. Right, I get angry. Because I'm just picturing myself now walking into this party <laughs> after it's been going for about half an hour and putting the balloons up in front of everyone. And, but I actually stopped and I thought, why am I angry? I asked myself that question, why am I angry? And I realised... <laughs> I realised that the, the, the main reason why I was angry is because I was worried about people, what people were going to think about me. You know, I pride myself on being punctual, on being reliable, on doing all these things. And if people see me walk in with two massive balloons, <laughs> maybe bump one here and bump one there, they're going to think, who is this guy? He's unreliable, he's half an hour late to a party, and um, this guy just doesn't know how to put a party on. And I thought... <laughs> Oh no, they're going to think I'm the party organiser as well. <laughs> and so really, it, it started to play on my security. It started to play on my identity. It started to play on my self-esteem. Oh no, what are people going to think of me? It started to play on my self-worth. And so really what was happening was people's approval, instead of me getting, seeing myself in Christ as righteous, as forgiven, as loved. I, in that moment, God went out the window and I was looking for, to people for that love, for that approval. Um, and that's what happened. So, you know, and I'm not, I'm saying, you know, obviously if it's, it's, if it's an issue and punctuality becomes a huge thing between me and Rose, obviously we'd address it. But in that moment, um, I think... My love was disordered. I was loving people's approval. 
And that's why I got angry, because my people's approval of me was being threatened. And whenever we love any, anything more than God and it gets threatened, we will get angry. You will get angry. Your emotions will go out of whack. You will get upset. You will get angry. Because, we, because anger is a form of love. You rush to defend, to protect that which you love. So be careful what you love. Be careful what you love. So the, the, the object um, gets disordered, the object of our love. But our target as well. So I'm sitting there outside the party going, Rose, Rose, Rose made me late. And that's what happens. The target, we end up choosing the wrong target, right? We, we start, the, the, aim of, <laughs> the aim of anger is to do a surgical strike on evil. Like the biblical view is you want to do a surgical strike on that evil, that injustice, whatever it is, right? But often we'll attack the person rather than the evil. We, we want like vengeance or we want, to, we want to slash and burn, right? So not only is the cause of our anger disordered, but often the target itself is disordered. So the Bible tells us you don't go after the person, you go after the evil. You go after the evil. And that's how Jesus did it. He always loved, yeah. Should have popped those things. <laughs> but the, the thing was, as soon as I realized that, I walked into the party and I was fine. I actually walked in there proudly. I was like, yeah, come on. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm in Christ, yeah. Because it's amazing what you get from Jesus. And really, I think in that moment I was angry because I was insecure. And I think often when we are insecure, we get angry. And here's a question to think about. Why was I in that moment a thousand times more angry than what's happening in Syria? Those balloons... I was so much more angry than what was happening in Syria. Like it's something, something to think about. So here's some things. I've said the first one. Analyze it. Is it righteous anger or is it disordered? And when God is speaking to Cain... Cain's, you know, his feathers are all ruffled. God asks him, he says, Cain, why are you angry? God asks us that question all the time. Think about it, why are you angry? And if Cain actually stopped and thought about it for a sec, he would have realized, hey, I'm jealous. I'm jealous that Abel's sacrifice was accepted and mine wasn't. And that's, that's a word for us. So that's key number one, analyze it. God, when, when you're angry, God is asking you, why are you angry? Why are you angry? What are you loving more than God in the moment? What are you loving more than God? So number one, analyze it. Ask this question. What's that big thing that's so important 
to me that I'm defending, like my approval? What's that big thing that's so important to me that I'm willing to clobber anyone over the head (laughs) so I get it rather than lose it? And often, just like I was in that moment, you'll be embarrassed because you'll realize the thing that you're defending is your own ego or your own self-esteem. What is it I love so much? Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1. Here's, Here's a key to transform it. This is the biblical answer to anger. A gentle answer turns away wrath. Responding gently is a huge thing. It's a difficult thing. But the Bible encourages us to, if we're going to address, if we're righteously anger, angry, and we want to address it, then do it gently. Just because your anger is warranted, because what you're faced with is real evil, it doesn't mean you can blow your top off. The Bible says, no, you've, you've got to be gentle about it just like Jesus was. James chapter 1, verse 19 says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. You know, we've all heard that thing where they say, you know, God gave us two ears and one mouth so we can listen twice as much as we speak. But often, it's a great way to de-escalate a situation and just ask the person, hey, what's, what's going on? Can you calm down for a sec, put your voice down, let's talk about this. Um, So always seek to de-escalate. Respond gently, insist on the truth, but do it gently. And it might sound something like this, hey, um, and you have to admit that you're angry. Hey, I'm angry. Um, And I'm actually tempted right now to say some nasty things, but I'm not going to do that because it's not loving, and I wouldn't be loving you. But what I do want to say is, um, that thing, I don't agree with it, and I never will, but I love you, but I just wanted you to know that I don't agree with that thing. Rather than saying, you But there's a way to say things gently. (laughs) Here's another key. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 21 to to 22. And if I can get the band up as well. He says, if your enemy is hungry, and often we're angry at our enemies, give him food to drink. In doing this, you'll heap burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. And I want to give you an example of this in action, and it's, this made me cry when I read it. It was, it was so powerful. Um, it's, it's a little bit long, so you're going to have to stick with me, but it's quite incredible. It's a, it's a part of a sermon that Martin Luther King preached. You know, Martin Luther King, incredible civil rights um, movement that changed, changed the world, but did it with such love. And he says this, he says, Jesus said, love your enemies that you may be children of your Father who is in heaven. Of course you say, all this about loving enemies is not practical. Life is a matter of getting even, of hitting back, of dog eat dog. 
Maybe in some distant utopia the idea will work, but in the hard, cold world in which we live, not in this world. My friends, we've followed the so-called practical way for a long time now. Time is cluttered with the wreckage of communities which surrendered into hatred and violence. We are going another way. Listen to this, he says, we will not abandon our righteous efforts. With every ounce of our strength, we will continue to rid the nation of the incubus of segregation. But we will not in the process relinquish our privilege and our obligation to love. While abhorring segregation, we will love the segregationist. This is the only way to build the beloved community. To our bitter, to our most bitter opponents, we say, we shall meet your physical force with soul force. Do to us what you will, and we will continue to love you. We cannot obey your unjust laws because non-cooperation with evil is as much a moral obligation as it is to cooperate with good. But throw us in jail and we'll still love you. Send your hooded perpetrators of violence into our community and beat us and we'll still love you. But you be assured that we will never wear you down. Oh, sorry, be assured that we will wear you down. That's Coles on the head right there. One day we will win freedom, but not for ourselves. We will so appeal to your heart and conscience that we will win you in the process. And so our victory will be a double victory. Great military leaders of the past have gone and their empires have crumbled like Spain and burned to ashes. But the empire of Jesus, built solidly and majestically on the foundation of love, is still growing. May we solemnly realize we shall never be sons of our heavenly Father until we love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us as he did for us as he did for us. And that's my final point tonight, as he did for us. Um, he's telling us, you gotta look at what Jesus did for us. And, and he's recognizing how difficult it is to be slow to anger. And to highlight a great response to this. As I was watching some sermons online preparing for this, I came across some YouTube comments. Who loves reading the YouTube comments? And um, this, I came across this. If we can get it up. No? We don't have it? I'm going to read it. It's on my phone. says, what you've recommended is very hard to do. Absorb disrespect, violation of one's rights, denial of one's value. Hmm, not sure, not sure about that, mate. Try being someone like this for a day. Then I'll see what your advice is. And I love the response below. It's what Martin Luther King's saying. He's saying, I think he would agree with you. It is hard for us to do see the one who did it for us. 
It only becomes possible for us when we see Jesus doing it for us. We can, uh, yeah, give Jesus a hand. There's no other way of doing it. There's no other way of doing it. The only way is to see Jesus taking the wrath of God for you, absorbing the full wrath of God, drinking that cup that he so didn't want to drink, and never saying anything hurtful back, but forgive them, Father. Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. And that is love. That is real love. And when you see that, and the Holy Spirit works through you, then yes, it's possible. It's possible to be slow to anger. Why don't we bow our heads and close our eyes? started off saying it's all about relationships the key relationship that one relationship that'll give you that satisfaction that self-worth that's that identity that validation is a relationship with Jesus he's the only person in the world he's the only thing in the world that'll come will say to you come as you are You are loved as you are. You don't have to perform for me. You don't have to do anything right for me. I've done it all for you. You've got a perfect record because of what Jesus has done. We stand in His righteousness.